We are um, going to hear from Claire Bullis today. So I was on vacation this week and got back yesterday, so I had asked Claire if she would share a message uh, with us today. For those who haven't gotten to know Claire, uh, she serves as a peer support specialist on her staff, but she has also been working with our children's and youth ministry, and she is transitioning into uh, more and more ministry kinds of things, and she's a very nice young lady. So um, everybody be good to her, and uh, thank you for sharing. You're going to be blessed today, I know, from her message. Well, thank you. How is everyone this morning? Very good. Good to hear. Well, as per our usual tradition, I've got a couple jokes for you all. All right, this first one is very fitting because I seem to get a good amount of grief for this. My boyfriend got sick of my self-esteem issues and ran off with my best friend. The worst part is, they were both imaginary. (laughs) Here's the second one for you. If you can't handle or love me at what you have mistakenly assumed is my worst, then prepare to be unpleasantly surprised in the immediate future. Alrighty, if you want to grab a Bible, we are going to open up to 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12. And this can be found on page 1033 in the church Bibles that should be under the chairs, or page 1632 in the recovery Bibles. John says here, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Any, anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for lo- God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. Alrighty, I've got a question for you today. Can you recall a time when you felt or saw God's love through another person? So if you would like to give us an answer, you can raise your hand, and either Flint or James will come and we'll hear from you. Good morning, everybody. This week, I sent my son off to New York. God, I'm going to cry again every week. Sorry, guys. I'll try not to. I sent my son off to New York to go see his girlfriend. He's 19 years old. And he looked at me when he got on the train, and he just looked like a little five-year-old boy again. But he saw that I was worried, and he said, "Uh, Bob, don't worry. You prepared me for this. And uh, I said, God's watching over you, David. He said, I know. He's with me everywhere. And so I just felt immense love between God and my son, my family, and I felt like he was safe, and he made it to New York 
and I just hope everybody can say a little prayer for him that he comes back safe. And uh, thank you guys. Have a good day. Thank you. It's beautiful. Good afternoon. I'm Jason. 150 days sober today. Um, thank you. I can recall a time with my grandma. She's, she's with the Lord now, has been for a while, but she's still with me every day. And she would always use the word neat. And I, and I felt like every time I, heard, every time I hear the word neat now, I feel all the love that she always gave me and my family. Uh, it was one of the toughest losses our family ever had. But it's good to know that she's, she's up there watching down on us. And um, I'd have to say, yeah, grandma showed me the most love. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. All right, Jamie. Good morning, everyone. I'm Jamie. Um, I guess, well, I was just trying to think, but I, for me, I don't know if it's really been another person. I would say more so the community of Lighthouse and the recovery community for me, um, you know, they, it's just been love after love after love, like even when I couldn't love myself, you know, there, there's there been people that love me and like just, I don't know, just showed me compassion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jamie. Got time for a couple more if anyone can think of someone. Aaron. Hello. Um, uh, I've been I've been struggling a little bit lately, and uh, I my nephew was just uh, very recently like officially adopted into our family. He's been with us for about ten years. Um, uh, he was, uh, at the hearing, he was asked uh, what he would like his name to be, um, you know, once, like, the paperwork was finally filed. And, uh, you know, instead of, you know, they, they meant, like, what do you want your last name to be, like, on all of your paperwork. And um, uh, he gave them my name instead of, instead of uh, just changing his last name. And uh, they told him he couldn't do that, but um, yeah, that was uh, something like very unexpected. But uh, it was really, um, it was really a boost that I needed. And uh, yeah, I'm very, I'm very thankful for that, and I'm very thankful for him. Thank you. That's a pretty cool story. Alrighty, I think we'll wrap up there then. But uh, if you have been here in the past few weeks, you might know that we've been uh, reading from the chapter of 1 John. And over those few weeks, we have been learning about the first letter John wrote to address some of the false teachings that had arisen within church communities at that time. During that time, a rift had started to form within the community. Members were no longer united by their faith. There was confusion and even some hostility between believers in Christ and the false prophets who had begun spreading misinformation about Jesus and the time he spent on, here on earth. 
as we know today, Jesus was just as human as you and I. He came in the flesh, he could be seen, he could be touched, and he bled for our sins on the cross. But it was through his equally divine nature that he brought salvation for each one of us, all in the name of true and unconditional love. While as John describes, the false prophets aimed to persuade Christians into believing otherwise, rejecting the truth about the incarnation of Christ or God's ability to take on flesh by becoming Jesus. They refused to believe that God and people like us, as human beings, could be joined together by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you were here a few months ago when we were talking about the fruits of the Spirit, um, you might remember that we talked about love being the first one. And we learned that when we accept Jesus into our hearts, the Holy Spirit begins to work in us and transform us from the inside out. When we're open to the changes he wants to do in our lives, we tend to see people in a different light. We may become more compassionate or more empathetic or more patient as our ability to love one another begins to expand. So for the false prophets to deny the existence of the Holy Spirit, it was detrimental to our Christian beliefs. John advises us to look closely and cautiously at those around us and to be aware that they might not have the Spirit of God within them, stating that there are people who do not know God, but rather know the world. And those people could not accept the truth, that God is love into their hearts. So there was kind of some heavy information there, a good amount of it too. Um, so I have a little bit of a question just for you to reflect on. And that is, has anyone here ever had a time in their life where accepting love of any kind, even if it's as pure and unconditional as the love of God, seemed impossible? Seeing some head nods. A time when just love, being loved, seemed impossible. Well, I too would have to agree. And if you are here and you are feeling that right now, I want you to know that uh, this is a place where you are safe and where you are loved. And if you're in a place where this feels very true or maybe it hit a little too close to home, I want you to know something that I've learned as a person who's been there and a person who is occasionally passes through. But So hopefully this doesn't sound um, harsh, but you're wrong, and I'm wrong. And um, because the love of God never, ever leaves us. It may feel pushed down or covered at times by the pain this world sometimes brings. But God's love for us always remains. And that, my friends, is what is true. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 8 that there is nothing that can ever separate us from God's love. So why then is it so hard for us to believe? 
John warns us in the beginning of this chapter that the spirit of deception is in this world already. My guess is here that no one here needs to be convinced that this world isn't always a kind and gentle place. I think we all have likely had times we wish never would have happened, or people that we never would have met, or that there are words that we wish we never would have heard. The world does a pretty good job of trying to tear us down and test our faith. It's deception, what is defined as the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. And that is deception at its finest. I'm sure there, I'm not sure if there's anything more unfortunate than the ways some of us begin to view ourselves as those messages compound. If, you have, if you've ever had to watch a loved one go through this, it can be utterly heartbreaking. We ask, how can a person with so much value think so little of themselves? Now we're going to come back to that in just a minute, but I want to share a quick uh, comparison that I found recently through working with the kids and youth here. So as Dale mentioned before, over the past couple years, I've had the opportunity to help teach youth group and more recently Sunday school here to the kids at Lighthouse. And now trust me when I say I have learned a whole lot from these experiences. Um, But one of the most profound findings is um, that when we ask the elementary age students here about uh, love, whether it be identifying ways God loves us, or ways they can love their friends, or asking them, what's one thing you love about yourself? Uh, The answers we receive are usually pretty quick, and they're with ease, and they're with assurance. Um, We should note, however, that uh, this is overlooking the completely random and sometimes absurd answers we receive. Um, I won't... um, The ones where you kind of go, oh, okay, thank you for sharing with us, and quickly try and get the conversation back to the lesson rather than chicken nuggets. (laughs) Um, But anyway, the majority of the answers about God and his love, they're quick, they're with ease, and they're with assurance. However, when we uh, ask the kids in youth group who are grades 6 through 12 those same questions about what does God's love look like, how can we love others, and what's one thing you love about yourself, the answers from those teens who not all that long ago were in Sunday school themselves can be very, very different. And for that reason, we come back to that topic very frequently no matter how annoyed they may get. I won't get into it too much, but the beliefs that some have formed about themselves or that they hear from others, they carry a tremendous amount of weight. And identifying one thing you love about yourself becomes quite difficult. With all that being said, if you have a young person in your life, 
Maybe hug them a little tighter and tell them how important they are to you. What I found to be so interesting and honestly quite saddening about this is how strong the grip of the world and the messages it has become in just a short amount of time. When the love of God is masked by the forces not from above, that question from earlier about how can a person with so much value think so little of themselves begins to make a little bit more sense. As time goes by, things like shame, sin, trauma, hurtful comments, trust that's been broken, rejection, preconceived judgments, the list could go on and on. That stuff all starts to intertwine, and it takes a tremendous toll on both our minds and our hearts. If we add in things like addiction or mental health struggles, unraveling that big ball of negative beliefs starts to get really hard. And things, messages we tell ourselves like, you're unlovable, you're not enough, or you're not worthy, become more and more of a challenge, especially if you're trying to battle it alone. Now, I myself have found this to be very true, and no, I did not have to Google uh, negative self-talk to come up with those last statements. (laughs) For many years... Those were the types of messages and beliefs that took up a permanent residence inside the home that, was, that is my brain. And as time went on, those beliefs grew stronger, and that home transformed into something more like a secluded fortress, capable of blocking out any sort of uh, unwanted guests, which were positive and loving messages, or the people who gave them. And let me tell you, and this might be something you've already noticed, but um, life gets pretty dark when we can't accept love. Pretty dark. But through the unrelenting love of God and through the unrelenting love of people in my life and years of accepting, not fighting, professional help, Uh, those messages have become a little bit quieter and a little less frequent. Something that never would have happened had I tried to fight them alone. And the same is true for everyone here. So this is my message to you. You are not alone. You are sitting in a room full of people who get it and who are here for you and who love you. You are not alone. Thankfully for you and I, God doesn't want us to fight those messages and those battles and those worldly beliefs alone either. Verse 4 reads, But you belong to God. My dear children, you have already won a victory over those people because the Spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit of this world.
You belong to God. And God calls us his children. And as his children, he promises us this. One, that we are created in his image. In the first book of the Bible, in the first chapter, we read, so God created human beings in his own image. He created us exactly how he wanted us to be from the very beginning. God has been intricately designing each one of us to be perfect in his eyes. All the flaws we might find in ourselves, they were all part of God's plan. The second one, he knows us fully and his love for us remains. There's a verse in Psalm that reads, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, and when I wake up, you are still with me. So no matter how many thoughts go through your head each day, saying that you might not be good enough, or this should have been different, or I'm, you know, all those negative beliefs. God doesn't see him. He sees our shame and our wrongdoings, but he still loves us through it all. And every morning, he says, yep, you are mine, and I am here with you through it all. The third thing is that through his love, We are forgiven. If you still have your Bible open, take a look at verses 9 and 10. John wrote, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So in times of disbelief or doubt, we can rely on the promises God has made us as his children to help soften our hearts to the love he desires for us to accept and to share. His love for each of us his love for you, Aurora, and his love for you, Sherry, and his love for you, Mark. It's big enough to, to carry our burdens. No matter what those burdens might be or how well we tried to hide them, God already knows. And it is through his perfect love and compassion for the world that Jesus was sent so that we might have new life. And it is by our faith in Jesus and the spirit of God living within us that we are made new as children of a king. So if the messages you have received and have come to believe, you know the ones that play on a loop inside our brains and go around and around and around again until we are broken down and defeated? If those have caused you to believe that you are undeserving of love, know that you are more than enough in God's eyes. 
and that he still calls you his child. And if the hurt someone else inflicted on you in the past has left you felt undeserving of love, I want you to know how truly sorry I am that you had that happen to you. It wasn't your fault. And God still calls you his child. It was the actions you had or the words that you spoke that have left you feeling undeserving of love. Know that through God's grace that you are forgiven and that God still calls you his child. Now, I could stand up here all day and talk about how much God loves us and how transformative love can be. But I know that not everyone is able to listen to those words and poof, have their hearts be filled with love for themselves and the world. Not a chance. If you would have told me that message a few years back, I'd probably be sitting like somewhere towards the back row, near the door, so I could avoid human interaction right as soon as the service was over. Um, and I'd be sitting there trying to... Uh, or I'd probably be rolling my eyes and trying to reinforce my internal belief that um, I was the exception to this concept. Further convincing myself that other people deserved love. Yep, I get that. Um, but that I did not. Anyone else have those cute little self-worth issues? <laughs> well, one thing I uh, have noticed is that my own self-hatred and my own self-worth issues they correlate actually really quite well with my own self-destruction. It's a shocking revelation, huh? Anyone else get it? Relate? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, for me, the um, more I listened to those messages inside my own brain, and for those of you who don't know, I'm in recovery from an eating disorder, but especially those eating disorder voices, um, that constantly belittled me and put me down and led me to believing the worst of myself, the sicker I became. Ultimately, I had to open my door to a new reality in order to save my own life. I had to start the process of learning how to love myself. I say process because it takes a while. It takes a good while. But so what is the process of learning how to love ourselves? What does it look like? Because I have yet to meet someone who shifts from self-hatred and ridicule to self-love overnight, which is exactly why we call it a process. However, if you are that person, you are more than welcome to share that secret because the amount of baby steps this process often takes completely opposes our instant gratification culture. In all seriousness, though, finding genuine love within ourselves and learning to see ourselves the way God sees us, it's going to take some time. For many of us, those negative self-messages we are trying to correct have been layering on for years. But with the promises God makes us as his children, 
and the people surrounding us who can reinforce those promises, each layer can begin to peel away. And though I'm nowhere near the finish line that is that self-love process, I can say that with certainty, um, it has been worth the time, the hard work, and effort that has gone into it. And since there is no step-by-step manual or guide on how to love yourself, and believe me, I've looked, um, each of us will find that our process looks a little different. We've all had different experiences. We've all heard different messages. For me, I had to begin at simply being able to tolerate myself. This meant acknowledging that my personal beliefs did not and still sometimes don't, align at all with the truth of God's word and that those thoughts can't be trusted. Next came sitting with the messages and thoughts without trying to adapt or change myself to better accommodate them. That part of the process has proved to be a little tricky. And especially if you're like me and you would rather avoid anything that makes you uncomfortable um, than face it head on. It's something my therapist always asks. She goes, Claire, what are we avoiding this week? (laughs) 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 Um, uh, But when we sit with those uncomfortable feelings, uh, that's where the work really can start to pay off. And you can start to challenge those beliefs. The hope of challenging those messages and beliefs is that by doing so, we gain a greater insight into the truth of the nature and have some empathy for ourselves as we um, dig down and find where those messages came from, find the root of them, and start to work through it. We might be able to see ourselves in a different more God-like light. Each of the negative self-beliefs we have formed about ourselves and our identities, however, they might need a different kind or a different type of step to work through each one, depending on what they were, how big of an impact they've had. Eventually, the goal is that we will be able to see and accept ourselves for the perfectly designed individuals God lovingly created us to be, not who the world expects us to be. And I know that sounds like a lot, but with the support of loved ones and taking things day by day, you might find a big difference in the way you love yourself and others. So if accepting the love of God and learning to love the person he created you to be is something that you might need to work on a little bit, congratulations, you're in the right place. Uh, You've probably joined the club that is the majority of this room. (laughs) And we can work on it together. You're not alone in it. And you might also notice that the, the more you let in the love of others and that you share love with others, it begins to build up in yourself. In verses 7 and 8, John says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God is love in the truest form. 
and he wants us to share it with others. So what does it look like? What does love look like? 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, tells us that love is patient. I know that might be a little hard for some of us. Um, And that love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable. So if you're not a morning person and you haven't had your coffee yet, this might be something you need to keep in mind, that love is not irritable. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love keeps no record of being wronged. So there goes our grudge holding and resentments. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. I think that so often, the people who have known what it feels like to be without love, or who have known heartbreak, or pain, or sorrow, they're the very people who have the biggest capacity for loving others. When we begin to see see and feel the restorative power of love and the impact it has on our lives, we have the opportunity to share that with the people whose shoes we were once in. I remember the first, you know, few times I was coming here, uh, my heart wasn't filled with love. I was kind of coming here as that last-ditch effort for working on my recovery because not a lot had worked so far. It's pretty closed off to most people, and I stuck to myself. But it was through people here caring about me and loving me and never giving up and encouraging me, even when I didn't understand why, because I thought, I don't know you. Why, why are you texting me? How's your week going? <laughs> you know? um, but it was through all that love that my faith has been built up and that I see light in the world again and that I know that love is real. And the same is true for everyone here. Let's keep reading, starting in verse 9. God showed us how much he loved the world by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. John does a pretty good job specifying here that nope, it is not because we as people are good at loving God, but that God has empathy on us. And that because God loves us, no matter how far we've strayed or how messed up we might have become, um, that his real love is defined as just that. Loving each other, loving everyone, just as they are. It's loving people despite whether we think they deserve it. Because ultimately, the love God gave us was undeserved. It was a gift It was a gift that he gave by sending Jesus to die for us, and it was completely undeserved. And there's nothing that we could have done to deserve the gift of salvation. 
to be rescued from our wrongdoings. But we are each made new through the love of God. And that is real love. All right, we've got just two more verses left which is 11 and 12, saying, Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. We are called to love each other with that same unconditional love That God has given us. By loving every other person. With that kind of love. We can honor and thank God. For all that he has done in our lives. And yes. That means loving people. Who might not always be the easiest to love. Because God doesn't love some people more than others. He doesn't look at our character traits or our lifestyles and decide who is worthy of love. God loves us all equally, and we are called to do the same. And I hate to break it to you, but um, if you're sitting here, there's like a significantly high chance that you were at one time, or maybe currently, a hard person to love. Putting it out there. My parents are here. They can attest to the same. (laughs) Maybe put them through a lot. (laughs) Um, In our last staff meeting, uh, I had the chance to ask, what are some of the ways that we can practice loving others by the way God loves us? Some of the answers given were by giving hugs, showing grace, active and non-judgmental listening, cooking a meal or acts of service, letting someone know that you care, being nice in traffic, (laughs) giving honest answers, even if they're hard to give, showing up in court and letting someone know that they aren't alone in it, and by simply saying the words, I love you, No matter how we go about loving each other, let it reflect the love God shared with you and I. And let it be done with pure intentions, with no expectations of personal gain. Author C.S. Lewis wrote, Love is never wasted, for its value does not rest upon reciprocity. We love others, and we work on loving ourselves to thank and to honor God for all the goodness he has brought into our lives. So as you go about your week, aim to be a reflection of the love God has shown to you through all your words and through all your actions. And make an effort to tell the people that you love that you love them. Thank you. And have a good afternoon.